podcast produced by University of Brasilia Students Law Review. My name is Fernanda Opperman. And I am Pedro Gone Branco. We are here today to talk about access to information, privacy and data protection to advocate Penny Tlacula, chairperson of the information regulator in South Africa who holds a master's degree from Harvard Law School. Advocate Penny Tlacula, thank you so much for being with us here today. Yes, thank you very much for inviting me uh, to this podcast. Advocate, we are here in Redcast talking to different authorities who represent different countries around the world, trying to understand better how data protection, data privacy, and right to information and other related issues are regulated in each country. And we know that the right of access to information is a human right constitutionally assured in South Africa. And I would like you to tell us uh, a brief history of the evolution of the right of access to information in our country and how it is regulated in there. Yeah, you are familiar with uh, the history of our country that uh, for many years our country uh, had institutional racism under the apartheid regime and that uh, that regime was based on secrecy and also on a lack of transparency and it was also based on unresponsiveness and all these led to abuse of power as you know and uh, human rights uh, violations and it is that history that uh, propelled uh, the drafters of our constitution in the early 90s to ensure that uh, the Bill of Rights will be as comprehensive as possible to include as many rights as possible to ensure that we never ever go back to the dark days of apartheid. And it is in that context that uh, the right of access to information was included specifically as one of the rights in our Bill of Rights so as to, pro uh, to, to uh, ensure that uh, there is a history of, uh, or so that our country experiences openness, transparency, responsiveness, and the respect for a culture um, of human rights. So that's the history of the evolution of this right in South Africa. And how is this right assured? Yeah, I, unfortunately, I can respond to that question because uh, I have been part of that history because. The new constitution was adopted in 1996, which is the constitution that uh, contains the right of access to information. And then the constitution says that uh, to give effect to the right of access to information in uh, the, a law, a national law uh, has had to be adopted. So what happened is that uh, the process of uh, the drafting of that law started, I think, uh, in towards the end of the 1990s, beginning of the 2000s, and eventually the law was adopted, the prom Promotion of Access to Information Act was adopted in 2000. And interestingly, after the act was adopted, it only came 
into operation fully in 2002. And at that time, uh, there was no body that uh, or institution that was uh, indicated in the law that would be responsible for monitoring the enforcement of the act. And then a decision was then taken that the South African Human Rights Commission would be the supervisory body uh, for enforcement of the promotion of access to information. And at that time, I was a member of the uh, South African Human Rights Commission. I was one of the founding members of that uh, uh, commission. And the commission then is, is the one that at that time started with putting in place a department that was responsible for the enforcement of the promotion of access to information. And that became, that was the uh, situation until the 30th of June this year, 2021. That's when the information regulator, which is the body that I am currently chairing, took over the monitoring of the enforcement of the promotion of access to information from the South African Human Rights Commission uh, to, to, to the information regulator. Advocate, and moving on, could you point us the key objectives of the Promotion of Access to Information Act and its main consequences to South Africans? Yeah, bearing in mind the history that I have just articulated, um, the, the main objective of that act, if you look at uh, the legislation and the preamble of that legislation, it says that, among others, that the act is uh, uh, adopted so as to foster a culture of transparency and accountability in the public and private bodies and uh, it is adopted to enable people to exercise and protect all their rights fully. So two things emanate from the preamble. The first one is the recognition and the acknowledgement that the right of access uh, to information is central to the realization of other rights, that it's a cross-cutting right. It is only through the right of access to information that other rights in the Bill of Rights can be enjoyed. Whether you are talking about the right to vote, whether you are try, uh, talking about the right uh, uh, to social and economic rights, those rights can only be realized through the, um, the, the right of access to information. So that was the objective, to enable people to use that right, the right of access to information, to protect and to enjoy all other rights fully. The second objective, and that is what sets us as South Africans apart from other nations, our act applies to both private and public bodies. So the right of access to information also is applicable to private bodies, which means that any person can request information from a private body if they require that information for the purpose of exercising or protecting their rights. And this was 
um, adopted, you know, the, the act was adopted to apply horizontally as our constitution does um, due to the fact that um, it is not only uh, public bodies that are the bearer of obligations in certain circumstances, private bodies can also exercise public power, by the way, and um, that is why it was felt that the act should apply to both private and private bodies, except that there is a condition that if you want to access information from a private body, you have to prove that you need that information in order to protect or exercise other rights. Yeah, perfect. And advocate, I know that there is something intimately related to this promotion of Access to Information Act. I'm talking about the South African Protection of Personal Information Act, also known as POPIA. And if I'm not mistaken, it's almost entirely uh, producing effect, but uh, an article of it, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, is still not uh, producing effect. So I want to know what is this and why is this POPIA important? Yeah, let me start by saying the information regulator is the um, institution that is responsible for uh, enforcing or monitoring uh, two pieces of legislation. Uh, the, the promotion of access to information, as I have already stated, uh, the information regulator took that over from the Human Rights Commission on the on, on the 30th of June this year. And the Prom Protection of Personal Information Act, uh, some parts of it came into operation in 2014. The remaining parts of that act came into operation in 2020 June. What then happened in 2020 June when the rest of the act came into operation is that private and public bodies or responsible parties were given a grace period of one year within which to put compliance processes in place, which meant that the one year period uh, finished on the 30th of June 2021. As of the 1st of July 2021, the enforcement powers of the regulator came into effect, which means that uh, the regulator can enforce the act. What has happened is that we have postponed the coming into effect of just one section, which is section 58.2. That is the section that requires certain or responsible parties that processes certain kinds of information to apply for prior authorization from the, uh, the, the information regulator if they want to continue processing that kind of information. For instance, people who, uh, part, uh, uh, responsible parties that uh, processes personal information for credit reporting purposes, those that, uh, among others, process personal information for the purpose of transferring that information across borders, those who are processing it uh, for determined criminal behavior, and, and those that are processing unique identifiers with the 
uh, object or intention of linking those unique identifiers or with certain uh, types of information. Those require prior authorization from us. In other jurisdictions, they would call this kind of information sensitive information. So if you process sensitive information, you then have to apply to the regulator for prior authorization. And uh, before you get that prior authorization, it means you, you, you then have to stop processing that information until you receive the prior authorization. And it is just that section that we, 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 we postpone the coming into effect of that section to, the, to, the, to February 2022. Nice advocate. Very interesting. And moving on, talking about challenges, I would like to know, how is it possible to balance access of information and privacy? to manage and contain the spread of COVID-19. Uh, all of us in most countries, our governments have introduced processes where there can be contact tracing of um, if I am in, in infected, you know, they'll be able to trace the people that I have been in contact with to ensure that those people 
are, are, are being tested. Obviously, the privacy of that of those people will be affected. But in this particular circumstances, that is where the right to privacy becomes important, and uh, the, the the that right will then take precedent over any other right of uh, of people who are uh, affected by COVID or their contacts. So that's how the balancing comes into effect. It depends on what the information is used for, who uses that information. As I said at some point, in one instance, privacy can trump access to information, and in other instances, access to information can trump the right to privacy, and that's how the balance is always kept. Nice, thanks. And advocate, the COVID-19 situation you just mentioned with the contact tracing apps showed us that we need an information regulator, and especially now that we are living our lives online. In this context, not only of COVID-19, but of this globalized and interconnected world in which we do somehow most of our things online, what would you point out as the main challenges faced by the South African information regulator? I think the challenge is not only faced by the South African information regulator, it's, 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 it's a global challenge, which arises from the fact that our data is, is now all over the place, particularly at this point in time when we are all working online as a result, or we're doing everything online, whether it's a, a conferencing, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing, whether it's everything is online. And I think I am not exaggerating when I say the next big threat to the world after climate change is data abuse, I think. Um, and that's it, the challenge uh, that we are all faced with. And if you take that challenge from a human rights perspective, it becomes even more, more important because the right to privacy is very closely linked to the right to dignity. Now, if we have our information out there and people do as they please with our information without respecting our privacy and our dignity, then we will be going into a situation where I say the next uh, human rights violation after climate change is going to be data a, a violation of, of uh, uh, privacy and, and, and data, data protection. So all of us, the challenge that we are faced as institutions or regulatory bodies is that one, technology is always ahead of regulation. Every time we try to catch up with technology, they are very far ahead and we all have to play catch up. That's the first thing. The second issue that we are faced with as in South Africa is just the proliferation and the number of data breaches that are out there. Here in South Africa, between 
April and end of June, we have had 35 data breaches. That's a very high number. Uh, and um, the, the third challenge that we are faced with is whether we can have sufficient resources technically and financially to be able to take on the data monopolies, if I can call them that. The big companies that are even becoming or they are even more powerful than governments uh, because of just the amount of data that they have, they collect and what they do with that data. Are we in a position as regulatory authorities to take on those companies? Do we have resources technically and, and financially to tackle those companies? That's really the challenge that we are faced with. But having said that, I don't think we should sit as a regulatory bodies and be lame ducks. I don't think so. We should do whatever we can. We should use the networks that we have to see how we hold these big companies um, that are holding our data to account. Um, you will know that there was a big outcry when WhatsApp was introducing its revised privacy policy and the extent to which that policy complies with data protection laws. This is an issue that we are grappling with uh, as uh, the South African Information Regulator. We have were in engagement with uh, WhatsApp in Washington about that uh, privacy policy of theirs. But because we, we are mindful of the fact that we are dealing with a big company, we are members of the Global Privacy Assembly, which is a, a global association of all privacy uh, authorities. And we have written to them to say, here is a matter. How do we deal with it as a, a privacy regulators globally? Even the African network of data protection authority is seized with that matter. So interesting. And actually, in the same topic, uh, as Pedro mentioned, with the pandemic, we're much more online right now. I imagine the challenges brought by that. I would like to know how COVID-19 affected the Office of the Information Regulator. Was there an increase in data breach incidents? And if so, how to deal with it? Well, COVID has affected us uh, because we are working online and, and because we are a new institution, as you can imagine. We have employed, since COVID started, we have employed maybe 50 people that I haven't met uh, physically. That um, the, the executives, because I work with the, the chief executive officer and other executive staff members, I deal with them online. And some of them who joined after COVID, I have never met them personally. And then coming to uh, junior members of staff that I don't interact with physically or daily because they're they are just, I've never met those uh, because we're working online. We don't go to the office. And the question is, how do you even 
instill and create an organizational culture, you know, where you have people just working from wherever they are. They don't know what the culture, the ethos, the values of the organization, that becomes a, a challenge. But at a at a, um, another level is, of course, the increase of uh, data bridges uh, that have occurred because of data that is everywhere. But in addition to that, how after the after COVID has come to an end, the data that was collected or that is being collected for the purpose of managing and containing the spread of COVID we have to be vigilant because we issued as the regulator a guidance note on how to manage COVID uh, while protecting personal information uh, of South Africans. So when COVID is behind us, we have to ensure, one, while COVID is uh, still with us, we have to ensure that the Department of Health, which collects the information, has to put sufficient and reasonable technical and organizational measures in place to protect the security of that information so that no one can access that information. We are not sure, we haven't looked at the, the security measures that have been put in place. And now that you are asking this question, yesterday, uh, because people know that I am the information regulator, I'm the chairperson, somebody sent me a, a WhatsApp message that was sent to her friend. It says, hi, handsome. I got your number from the COVID-19 register. I like your temperature. I mean, just yesterday. So I don't know whether this is fake news, whether but somebody sent to say, I received this, which means that it could be that there are people who have access to that information uh, of others, and now they are abusing it for, 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 for harassment. But at the end of the national state of disaster, we have to ensure that the Department of Health either destroys the information that they are holding or they de-identify it if they want to use it for research purposes. So these are some of the things that we're having our sights on. Oh, it's really tricky. I can't imagine the hard work you're having at your current position. But there is one thing I am sure. I am sure that our listeners are enchanted with this talk and enchanted with uh, all the work you have done on the information regulator. So advocate, if you could give any advice to a student or to a young academic who's just in the beginning of her or his professional journey, what would you say? I would say to them there is a new area of human rights uh, that is uh, opening up and that is going to require us to have experts, uh, whether it's, uh, and it's really the issue of digital rights and privacy. And uh, it is in that area that uh, students have to to be looking at new area, career opportunities and i think universities as well should look at at this because as i said after after climate change the next big violation of human rights is going to be uh, on on data protection so the universities themselves have to ensure that they 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 
they have this uh, data protection as one of the uh, areas of speciality, not only as a one cause that you can do, you, that people can do this, you know, and specialize in this area, whether it's from the legal perspective, whether of human rights perspective, or even technically, because to be able to investigate uh, data breaches, we will need uh, strong people with a forensic analysts who are able to undertake this kind of um, uh, of complex uh, investigation. So I'm saying to young academics, uh, the world out there is becoming very interesting, and this is one of the areas where they should set their sights on in their professional journey. Advocate Pensi Tlakula, thank you so, so much for your time, for eliminating this talk. There were so many highlights I can think about and such great advice is actually, it was a great pleasure having you here today. Yes, Advocate, thank you so much. It was truly an honor having you here. And I would also like to thank you, our dear listener. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you want to send us a feedback, please follow and contact us on our pages on Instagram, Facebook and or LinkedIn by searching for Revista dos Estudantes de Direito da UNB. See you later. Thank you. Bye bye.